Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 143 of Yoga Land. Hey, hey, Jason. Hey, hey, Andrea. I am glad to have you here in our glorious studio. Our glorious studio. Before you head to Hong Kong. Yes. Tomorrow. I mean, I never know when these go live, but I, by the time it goes live, I will be in Hong Kong. Tomorrow it's going live. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, God willing, I'll be in Hong Kong or I'll be en route. Yeah, exactly. En route. You'll be in, en route. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I'll be in Hong Kong. Module two is ready to go. You know, I'm never excited to leave, but I'm always excited to be there. You know, for me, these trainings where I get to focus on one group of students for 100 hours yeah. and essentially do nothing else. Work-wise, it's the it's my best case scenario environment. Except the best the case Maui would trip be, is still yeah, kind of Maui's good. And also, can we just build some kind of, I don't know, fabulous castle or something so that everyone can just come here to study with you so that you don't have to leave us? That's my plan. I'm going to manifest that. All right. I think we call that love story yoga. <laughs> yes, it is love story yoga. It's not a castle, but it's where people can come. And we love it. And there's like uh, six or seven spots for module two and module three. Module two in May, module three. In San in Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. At love story. Yeah, yeah. I have a question about Hong Kong. Okay. Do you think you're going to get the bear again is my question. I don't know that I'm going to get the bear again. I feel like... That was really special. So for those of you that don't know, I had, when I checked into my room in Hong Kong in December for module one, I had like uh, one of those bears, like a little stuffed bear amenity, yeah. but it had a little flag that said, I heart yoga, and it had my logo on it. I mean, talk about customer service. Yeah. And I sued the bear for a copyright infringement. <laughs> Using your logo yeah. without permission. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, we have to be consistent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Turns out the bear actually was an inanimate object and unsuable. Oh. It was too bad. That's complicated. So before we got on to today's topic, speaking of travel. Yes. You just got back from a podcast conference in New York. I had a fancy schmancy work trip, which really, given the fact that most of the time I'm a, a very unfancy mother, it was so nice to be in the adult world again. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, golly. Except that, I don't think I told you this. There were two people who were on this podcast panel with me. The podcast festival was called On Air Fest. I highly recommend it. It's in a super cool location in Brooklyn and just lots of panels with really interesting people. That sounds weird that I'm saying that considering no. I was on a panel. Well, you're not not interesting. Yeah. So the, the two others that were on the panel with me were Corey Campbell. He has a, a podcast called Silent Giants and OPP, Other People's Podcasts, and then a woman named Jessica who has the podcast Fat Mascara. Fat Mascara. It's such a good podcast. I've listened okay. to it already. It's kind of like ours, but for beauty, the beauty world. Okay. And she did a story, an Instagram story that day that I watched later. And she was standing right outside the hotel where the panel was. And she was like, oh my God, I just saw Carrie Brownstein. And I didn't see Carrie. That's that's the end what of my story. Space? Who the woman from Portlandia, Sleater oh, Kinney. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just, I, yeah. you know me, my brain doesn't okay. really work. Anyway, that was the punchline. She saw Carrie Brownstein, and I didn't when I was in New York. Well, but it was still a great, great experience. Really good. fun, and just fun to be with other creative people. Nice. Yeah. We're going to talk today about questions that come up in my trainings all the time, and not just in trainings, but in in a lot of different situations, which is kind of the the pros and cons of being a full-time yoga teacher and being a part-time yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. And 
kind of my perspective on both of those options and what I think is valuable about both of those scenarios and also what is challenging about both of those scenarios. You know, I think one of the things that's difficult for yoga teachers is they don't know that teaching yoga is not like practicing yoga. And I kind of give this example all the time. Like if I went to law school or if I went to med school and I got out of law school or med school or whatever, you know, master's level or doctorate level program I went to, when I got out, I would know that I was going to work really hard for a long time. I wouldn't go into that thinking like, oh, this is going to be really smooth and easeful and it's going to look like all the photographs on Instagram. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment, though. If you graduate from law school or med school, you go into a much more structured – if you get a job, you go into a structured environment. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to make is I think a lot of people that become yoga teachers – don't realize the time and the work commitment of being a full-time yoga teacher. I think also they don't, and this is part and parcel, they don't perhaps anticipate the challenges of being an entrepreneur. No. Because it's what you are, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm not, I'm not in any way suggesting that people that go to yoga teacher trainings and become full-time yoga teachers think that it's going to be a cakewalk. But the way that we talk about trainings, the way we sell trainings, the way... The whole yoga community and culture is set up is that that this is not like corporate life, that this is going oh, to be yeah. more of a work-life balance. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? That this like is all about yoga. Mm-hmm. And the reality of being a full-time yoga teacher, which is kind of the full the first thing I want to talk about, is really hard. You know what I mean? And I don't just mean mentally and emotionally, I mean your the level of time commitment. And the duration that it's going to take you to develop a platform is much more substantial than we tend to anticipate. And I think it's okay. I think that I just always want to let people know that that's the case. Yeah. You know, because if you know that probably if you if you want to be a full-time self-supporting yoga teacher, if you know it's going to be probably somewhere between seven to 10 years of a lot of work before you even establish some consistent mantle and following, then you're more informed going into that process. And you don't feel like, oh my God, look at so-and-so on Instagram. It looks like they have been around for 10 minutes and people already love them, Mm -hmm. right? Because people often forget that social media is a, it's a very curated slice of life that doesn't reflect the vast majority of someone's existence, right? So I guess what I'm saying right now is that there is a downside to being a full-time yoga teacher, which is it is a ton of work. And not only is it a ton of work, but it's difficult to know what your financial state is going to be month to month, let alone year to year. Whereas if you're going into a little bit more of a traditional sector, maybe if I was going to law and I got a job it would be clear what my salary was going to be for X number of years. And I've, I worked up the ladder and became a managing partner or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I think you saying this earlier, it's a more structured environment. Being a full-time yoga teacher is not only an unstructured environment in terms of day-to-day, it's an unstructured business environment 
in which you have to have the entrepreneurial capacity in order to run a business. There's no clear path. There is no clear path. And the path has changed. You know, the path has changed a few times in the 20 years that I've been doing it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So not having a clear path and then... I think for people that want to be a full-time yoga teacher, what they have to understand is if you are going to be a full-time yoga teacher, you are running a business. You aren't committing to to teaching yoga full-time. You are committed to teaching yoga full-time and running all of the other elements that constitute a non-brick-and-mortar business. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do communications. You're going to have to do marketing. You're going to have to do scheduling. You're going to have to do content development. You're going to have to do ongoing studio relationship management. You know, you're going to have to deal with contracts. You're going to have to deal with the entrepreneurial elements of making a life as a full-time teacher. So you say it's changed. Yeah. And it has. It has. I want to know, you know, what was it like for you? when you you started and did you have to deal with all of these things or did you have that kind of yoga teacher life i had much more of the yoga teacher life but i was incredibly poor for a long time yeah you know and you were okay with that i was okay with that because i didn't you were young i was young i didn't have other expectations and i didn't have other courses of action that i wanted to take I wasn't supporting a family. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a car. You know, I didn't have a lot of the school uh, tuition, a school tuition. Right. Yeah. So the other thing is that, you know, I was Rodney's student, Rodney Yee's student. And a lot of people, of course, most people still know who Rodney Yee is, but times have so changed that you might not, that listeners some listeners might not know that rodney was the king of the castle yeah you know what i mean i mean not only it was he and is he an exceptional yoga teacher but he had more commercial presence than any yoga teacher had and he was one of the only people with a massive commercial yoga presence in the mid 90s to to mid 2000s so and i was with him during a lot of that time but even then it wasn't in my face via social media that it seemed like there were a million other yoga teachers doing great. So my expectations were really low. You know what I mean? Like my my internal expectations were low in terms of not being a good teacher, but having a commercial. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's clear. So I just didn't, it just wasn't really a thing. There was no, there was no feeling of keeping up. There was no feeling of if you took 10 minutes off, oh my God, you should be posting something because so-and-so is probably posting something. And so we didn't have that stress. But at the same time, there were incredibly few options. So, okay. There, so, so there weren't many yoga studios. Mm-hmm. Gyms still did not have yoga classes. Mm-hmm. Businesses did not have yoga classes. There weren't apps. There weren't apps. There was no online mechanism. Right. There were just YouTube DVDs. wasn't yeah YouTube <laughs> wasn't so you didn't have access to the channels that you have now so now to be a yoga teacher a full-time yoga teacher you have many more business options mm-hmm. but you have the psycho-emotional clutter mm-hmm. of not only having a lot of options but having a lot of other people scrambling for those options mm-hmm. and feeling like you need to keep up 
So one of the things that Mati said, and this is just sort of, sort of bringing this up for me, in the story that I did with her for Yoga Journal, I can't remember if it actually got printed or not, this part of the interview, but she said something like, there are people who advertise, and you know, Mati's, she's old school, okay? Yeah. She's a purist. She said, there are people who advertise yoga teacher trainings as, quote unquote, a career opportunity. And she's like, I just think that's that's wrong, okay? So her point just being that, it shouldn't be ambition that drives you to become a yoga teacher. It shouldn't be pure just like, I want to be really popular and I want to be on the circuit and sure. I want to be in like have a million followers on social media and I want to have my own hashtag or whatever it is. Right. But from what you're saying. I really want to have my own hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. Anyway. But from what you're saying, it sounds like to survive and I, I could be wrong. So I'm just throwing it out there. You do have to have, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is what kind of personality do you think it takes these days to be a full-time yoga teacher? A really consistent and persistent personality with a certain amount of charisma, or you have to be like an insanely good teacher, mm -hmm. right? It's, and you don't like, if you are a really good teacher that can genuinely connect with people, then you can make it. If you are a good yoga teacher or are not a good yoga teacher, but you have a lot of charisma and you can convince people uh, and produce an experience that is strong and in, at least in the short term dynamic, you can be a successful yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. But I think the main thing that you have to have to be a consistent yoga or to be a full-time yoga teacher is you have to have a... Uh, you have to have a plan to develop a consistent presence for a longer period of time than you think. And that consistent presence is local. I think there's a lot of people that waste way too much time in social media, way too early in their career development. Do you mean just posting or like yeah. waste time doing what? Posting. Okay. Thinking that posting is going to help a career and okay. it's not. Okay. It's 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 not going to help most people's career because the main thing that's going to help most teachers make a career is saying, "Hi, my name is making so an actual and so. connection." Making an actual connection yeah. because the vast majority of yoga teachers are going to make the vast majority of their living on local students. They're going to make it on local students. And so it's kind of like being a yoga teacher is kind of like having a store. It's not like having Amazon where you got where you need people buying your stuff from the internet. For most yoga teachers, being yoga teachers like having a boutique store on whatever street in Main Street USA. And you have to cultivate a clientele and provide something that that clientele is interested in and that they'll come back to and that they'll tell friends about. And then you also want like an email list and so forth. Like you want an intimate and ongoing set of relationships with real people that pay money, not this kind of nebulous, vague, ethereal, Instagram followery kind of setup where 99.9% .9 of people that follow you on Instagram don't even live in your city. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? How quickly this got to social media, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm actually not suggesting that you as a teacher shouldn't do social media. Like that'd be an, a foolish thing for me to say. What I'm saying is the vast majority of teachers that are full-time, good, 
living, working, breathing yoga teachers are making the majority of their financial scenario work out with local students that then do a teacher training and go on retreat and do some workshops. Yeah. Like that's how this scales. It's pretty rare that it scales the way that I have scaled it. It's a pretty rare thing. Yeah. And it, and for me, you know, I have a lot of aptitude. I'm good at what I do. And at the same time, I it, I am really fortunate of time and place and and the exposure I got from Yoga Journal and the exposure I get from Yoga Glow. And the relationship that we have and we get, I get to do this podcast, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like those things, even though I spend a lot of time with social media, those things are way more important mm-hmm. than my social media channels because, because these are channels in which I actually engage with people in a real and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say that in a deeper way that supports a yoga practice. Yeah. It's a long-term connection. The only caveats I'll say to what you're saying I will admit there are still very few people who are successful in this space, but I will say that I think YouTube is a different situation. So there are a few people like Leslie Fightmaster, um, Yoga with Adrian. I've heard of Yoga with Adrian. Yeah, I I had heard of her, uh, I think, through Jay Brown's podcast. Sure. And I looked her up and I think what she does really, really well well, first of all, I think she's an actress and she's, she's, that that's like, sense. that's clear in her yeah, bio. Like she's yeah. not trying to hide no, that. No, 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 no. That would be a great asset. Why would you hide Yeah, that? exactly. So, so I think what she does really well is like, as an actress, she is comfortable being in front of a camera. I've watched a few of her classes and they're very personable. Uh-huh. You actually feel like you're in the room with her uh-huh. and that's her style. And, and, so she's had great success. And so I think that for some people, that is an option. And I think that if that is the option that you want to do, you actually have to have kind of an editorial mind. You yes. actually have to know kind of what can I produce consistently over time? What inspires me? Why am I doing this? And what do I have to offer as a teacher that's unique to me? I think Adrian offers like a very down to earth, just really nice vibe. I'm sure. My my only point is that for every one Catherine Budig, there's probably 10,000 other, probably more than 10,000 full-time yoga teachers out there that are doing a good job, making a huge impact, and working in their local community, and they've built a local boutique. That is just the thing that seeing like literally at this point training hundreds of advanced people every year like advanced teacher trainings i see so much talent i see so much skill i see so much ability and so much capacity and so i know for so many of them they they do have all of the subtle and not so subtle characteristic traits that will allow them to be a really well-known teacher the vast majority of people, it's not even about them. It's about time, situation, circumstance, get in the right break. Sure, sure. You know? And so, and I'll, I'll, the other thing I'll say is when it comes to YouTube, when it comes to Instagram success, like understand that in those, the, most of those people aren't being paid directly. They're not, be, most of those people aren't being paid directly by the people they're teaching. They're being paid indirectly 
by selling products or or sponsorships. Sponsorships. Yeah, that's yeah. Sp- selling sp- sponsorships. Yeah, I can tell you is not very lucrative. Sponsorships <laughs> is selling product. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I don't. Again, I don't have a problem with that. But you have to know. You just have like, to make that decision. Yeah, you have to make that decision. And then the other thing is, you have to see. Well, how long is that going to work? How long is the beauty company going to be interested in running ads on my spot? Mm-hmm. You have to not only know the yoga world, but you have to sort of kind of have a bit of a clue about, well, what does it mean to essentially be a sponsored, uh, a spokesperson, you know, a model or a spokesperson? Yeah. Let me start talking about the upsides of being a yoga, a full-time yoga teacher, right? Is for a lot of people who are full-time yoga teachers, I mean this positively, you don't have a choice. Like you are a teacher, you are an educator, you love this subject, and this is the world in which you feel your best and you feel connected and you feel like you are not only having an impact on other people's lives, but you're having an impact on your own life. You know, I say it all the time, like, I'm glad that people get things from out of what I do, but I do what I do for me. Mm -hmm. Because I love to teach. And it's like one of the only things I'm actually really good at. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm good at being a husband. I'm good at being a father. Mm -hmm. I'm good at taking care of myself-ish. You're good at taking out the trash. I'm good at working hard. (laughs) (laughs) But like, but in in terms of like career vocational stuff, oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm the same way. It's so funny. God, no wonder we found each other. I mean, I I, I like- I have very niche skills. I could not hold down like normal jobs. There's no way. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I know that. Like, I know how my brain works. I know how my personality works. I know how my nervous system works. So like, I think there are so many people that are like us that- that are creatives. Yeah. That you just don't necessarily fit into. Yeah. You know, corporate life. Like, or- well, I was never gonna work for Schwab. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. That's a that's the right dharma for many people. But and I think a lot of times when people leave careers to become a full time yoga teacher, I think a lot of times they leave that career not not just because it was such a grind but because it just wasn't them. You know, it just didn't fit their soul. Yeah. You know, or it did for a period of time and it and it ran out, mm-hmm. right? And so in that way, I, I think the other thing is being in the yoga room is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone comes to my class, they're coming to a classroom. They're coming to their experience. They're also coming to my place of work. I treat it as all of those things. Like if you're in my classroom, that is also my, like, like that's my office. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have a good relationship, but there's rules to my office, you know, and there's clear boundaries within that office. So in terms of having an office, that's a pretty good one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's a great one. Um, so that so the challenges are you're going to work a lot harder 
and a lot longer than you think. And the path is not the path is clear not when you're starting clear. out. The yeah. path changes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of internalized feeling of needing to keep up. And that is a really difficult thing, right? Because that feeds into the underlying neurosis that virtually everyone has of not being enough, mm-hmm. right? The upsides are, for a lot of people, it's their dharma. It's that, you know, it is what supports them. They're creatives or their brain just works a different way or, you know, whatever circumstance life has dealt them, it's best for them to be in an expressive environment. You know, I, I like being a yoga teacher. I get to express myself all the time. I try not to make class all about me, but I get to express a lot of me as a yoga teacher. Yeah, you do get to really be yourself. You know? Yeah. You required. really do. Yeah. It is required. Mm-hmm. You'll lose your mind if you don't. <laughs> you know? Go back to your corporate job if you don't because it's, it is just soul-sucking. Yeah. The other kind of downside, too, is it's just burnout mm-hmm. because you have to talk a lot for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? So the upside of being a part-time yoga teacher mm-hmm. is... You get to be a yoga teacher without any of the downsides of being a full-time yoga teacher. There's one downside because I was a part-time yoga teacher. Oh, no, no. There are some downsides, oh, okay. but I'm saying the, the upside. Not the same downsides. Okay. The, the upside. Okay, got it. Of being a part-time yoga teacher. The upside is you get all of the upsides of being a full-time yoga teacher. You get you get to go to class. I mean, I mean you get to share yoga, you get to be in the yoga room, you get to stay, I think, a little bit more engaged and accountable to your own practice because you realize, like, I have to stay in touch if I'm going to be teaching people. And, but you don't have the same stressors. You don't have, usually you don't have the same financial pressure if you have a second job or if you're in a family situation that doesn't require a full-time second income but like a a part-time second income. You get the engagement with the yoga community and you get the engagement of sharing your passion in a different way. You also get the self-education because when you're teaching something, you learn that thing in a deeper way, right? So to teach is also to simultaneously educate at least to some degree, right? But there are downsides. And one of the downsides is... Sometimes you you aren't teaching enough. Yeah, that was to get in rhythm. Situation for me. You're not get you're not teaching enough to get in rhythm. And you're just like I remember there was a time when I finally got some weekend classes, so I was working seven days a week. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. working my full time job, and then you know all weekend, and and that and it still wasn't enough for me to get in rhythm with my yoga teaching. It yeah. was still like there were five days in between yeah. where I was doing a completely different thing. And then I would show up in front of a group of people That's and be like, lot. whoa, oh my gosh, everyone expects me to be creating this experience. Yeah. And I'm just like in a different world. A student of mine who was a former full-time yoga teacher and has gone now to a corporate job has kept two yoga classes one on saturday one on sunday oh my gosh and i'm like it's so hard i mean like you know it's it's and they're morning classes too so you're like get oh it's so hard well one's a morning one's an afternoon but the point is is like i know that has a shelf life yeah you know what i mean that's almost like 
staying friends in the process of breaking up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I know that ain't going to last. <laughs> one of those classes serve will last. You for, for one time. of those classes will last. Yeah. Two of those classes will not. Yeah. There's just no way. Because that is a recipe for having just insanity. I think a really good part-time teaching schedule is when you have a full-time or mostly full-time job and two days a week in the evening you teach. Or you teach Or like you have a part-time job. Yeah. And you have part-time yoga teaching. Exactly. Where you have a little bit of a breathing room in your week. You know? I have a ton of students in my in my advanced trainings who do both. Like I have full-time yoga teachers. I have part-time yoga teachers that have a full-time job. And then I have part-time yoga teachers that have other part-time jobs. One thing I want to communicate is I think that a lot of teachers that have that are part-time teachers have a little bit of an inferiority complex at times and they feel like, oh, well, I'm not a full-time yoga teacher. Anytime someone kind of says apologetically to me like, oh, but I'm not a full-time yoga teacher. So blah, blah, blah. I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Why, why, do you want to be a full-time yoga teacher? No, I really like my, good. Yeah. Then you've already, you know what I mean? Like if you teach 15 classes a week or if you teach two classes a week, it doesn't necessarily make a qualitative difference in the value that you're providing. Yeah. You know, so I just, I want anyone that's a part-time yoga teacher out there and content with it to not beat themselves up about it. Like that's a totally reasonable decision. I had a second job for the first 10 years of being a yoga teacher. What was your second job? I had countless different second jobs. Did I not know you at the, I guess? Well, one, I ran I ran the mind body program. Oh yeah, okay, so Okay. I worked was related. Okay. I worked uh, they've all been related. Okay, okay. Actually, the first one I worked in catering for the first 3 years. Oh, you did. You were still in Okay. Yeah, I yeah. I worked in a warehouse catering. I did all sorts of stuff. Right. Because I, it just, it just did, there was no way. That was also at a time where, again, there were maybe five studios in the city of San Francisco. There wasn't enough schedule time to have more than four classes a mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. So I think the first three years that I taught, I had two or three classes a week. Yeah. Because there, there wasn't more studio time. I think that there is such a nice situation that I see for people and some of the students that I meet of yours to have you know, two jobs that are complementary. So to be, you know, a nutritionist and a yoga teacher or a therapist and a yoga teacher. You have me, I'm an Instagram model. (laughs) (laughs) But there's so, there's so many, like even on my show, I Kubo, I've had on, she's an, an epidemiologist and a yoga teacher and the epidemiology work that she does. She is a lot in nutrition and mindfulness i feel like maybe that's i feel like maybe she's overworking i she is the most balanced person no i mean i mean maybe she's she's making me feel bad about myself (laughs) don't follow her on instagram because it makes me feel bad about myself because she has these two daughters and they the four of them travel around the world and like the daughters are just happily and oh it's not real life and no, 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 no. it's and not I'm like, real okay life. when i take my kid on the road it is not like oh that. come on <laughs> that's not real um i think the a big point of this episode too is just to alleviate full-time yoga teachers of the mental burden of thinking that if you're working really hard 
to you're make ends meet, wrong. you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You might be, mm-hmm. but but it doesn't like all of us are in this boat. And then same thing for part-time yoga teachers to understand that if you're really happy being a part-time yoga teacher, don't you don't need to change. Yeah. And then if you are not a full-time yoga teacher, if you're part-time thinking about going full-time, that can also be a good choice, but don't make that choice because you think your life is going to get easier. Right. I mean, it might get easier, but it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It, it just is. I think the last thing that I want to communicate is the majority of the work for being a yoga teacher is being a teacher not doing yoga. So you have to do yoga. But the point I always make, I I try to make this all the time in my trainings, especially is like, hey, you're in my training. We're not on retreat right now. Like this isn't yoga retreat. Mm -hmm. This is a training because your job is to teach. Your job is not to just do yoga. Doing yoga and teaching are different. uh, They're related, but they're separate events. They're separate skills. So we need to actually go very deep into the skill set and the experience and the development of being a true educator, not just being able to press in a handstand, Mm -hmm. although we do work on that. You do have to enjoy the process of teaching. Totally. Yeah. And you will enjoy the process of teaching much more if you have um, a systematic and methodical approach. Got it. Yeah. Speaking of which, go to your class. You got it. All right. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Thanks, as always, for listening. I will put some links to other podcasts that we've done about teaching yoga that Jason and I have done on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 143. Thank you for your iTunes reviews. And I want to do a shout out to the all the international reviews too. I get those about once a month through a service because they don't show up in the American iTunes account. Did you know that all of our Apple podcast interfaces in terms of the reviews are different according to which country you're in. It's really interesting. Anyway, so thank you for leaving a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, and you really, really, really enjoy the podcast and want to do so, I'll be your best friend or I'll just, I'll love you forever. Well, I actually already love you forever. So just do it if you feel like doing it. Okay. Until next week, enjoy your practice. Enjoy your practice.